0: This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on Power 987.co.za.
1: Across the continent.
0: Let's get into that conversation. Advocate Sipa Mandula already online to speak to us about developments not just in Niger but also in Zimbabwe. Social cohesion advocate, pan-Africanist, human rights activist and researcher. Advocate Mandula, good morning to you. Thank you so much for your time.
2: Good to your listeners, Samba Africa.
0: Now, I'd love for us to start with Niger, but I think let's start with the latest developments in Zimbabwe, right? ZANU-PF winning those elections, is it really a matter of, well, we expected it to happen?
2: You know, Tseko, we might say that uh, we might need to commend the Zimbabwean Electoral Commission that for the previous years, they've been late in terms of announcing the election results. We are in this stage where acceptance of the election results have to be seen from both actors or from both political parties that were part of the harmonized elections. But you can see already the signs that uh, the Opposition, they have uh, rejected this outcome. Mm-hmm. But also when you look at the, like you are saying, how the observer missions also from Friday and, and yesterday hinting out in terms of the norms and values and the standards of this election that they have casted some doubts. And that's how you are saying that we're expecting it. But you also look at the numbers. There were very few... Uh, People who went to vote. If you look, um, I mean, their numbers is like compared to when I look at Northern Cape. You know, Mm. uh, in terms of population, you know, we're talking of 6.6 million people who were eligible to vote, but out of 16 million, and we have a diaspora vote that has never happened in that country. So, if I will say to you, yes, we might have waited for this, saying the ruling party will always come back into power, but I think again we see the this match, the rematch of Chamisa and going between almost 50% above and also 40%. So one can mm. say it's been a great achievement from opposition because the C was formed almost seven months ago. So we have to acknowledge that. Mm. And so we have to look also at the role of security forces that has been leveled. Uh, in these elections, and you know the ruling party is not happy with the Saudi observer mission report.
0: Mm. And uh, you know, I want to then find out your take as well, Advocate Mantula, on what you make of the statements made by the observers regarding these elections in Zimbabwe.
2: So, so As a former observer, is that it is too early for them to have gone that route. To be honest, mm. you. you know, when you look at your numbers, how many people you have even deployed? Firstly, secondly, even on your what else are the waiting and the content and the context, it might raise tension within the SADC bloc. And remember, Zambia is the chair of the Troika, of the organ on security, defence and politics. And, and and also, we might be waiting, the AU commencer on the standard of what really happened. Because, you know, observers also, they are not, as I've said in one of the shows, that they are not election policers. They are not policing elections. They are not monitors. They don't interfere. Um, and their recommendations have a little persuasive effect sometimes. And maybe it's a time that in Africa we need to refine, redefine. Who's observing the uh, observer? What is the role of an observer mission? Are they just election tourists? Um, Are they just writing what they... I mean, are they just biased on the outcome of elections? Do they have capacity? And how do they connect with the media? Because most of the media houses in Africa, what they've picked up, then they don't understand even the electoral process, most of the instance. We will we, we'll always rush to the presidential ballot. We don't even understand that observers, what are the checklists that they have to go into when they have to observe elections? So, and even the issue of the early team that goes in, as well as the funding of election observer mission in Africa, it's worrying. Sometimes they get money from the same Europeans who have their same agenda that they want to pursue. But observers are not the adjudicators of elections. Hence, we saw last night uh, Judge Shikumba uh, being the one who is authorized to give an election outcome. And as the Zimbabwean Electoral Commission, they will, do, so they will take recommendations from the observer mission uh, four years from now to plan for the next election. But actually, they don't implement those recommendations. And the same applies to many African countries so that go under elections and observer missions become critical on their role. And on what they have done, you know, you'll understand Abuja has a presidential dispute um, and there were observers. You'll understand there were elections in Malawi, there was co- concern, there were elections in Kenya. But observers also, like I said, say, maybe we need to refine and redefine what is their role and their mandate.
0: Mm. I mean, what difference as well could we then expect ZANU-PF to bring to that country? You know, if
2: you look at Munangagwa's manifesto, so it was more around economic uh, recovery. It was more around tackling corruption, which I doubt. Um, and, 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 and secondly, I think, how do you deal with the Zimbabwean diaspora question? The, the, the many Zimbabweans who are outside Zimbabwe, how do you bring them back home to rebuild the country? It's one of the daunting tasks. And the role of the youth and women in that country, and even succession of Munangagwa in the next election, they have to look into that. But I think what is important is their role also in the Assad region. Uh, it is their role in the African Union. Is there also, their influence in the BRICS plus that has just emerged from San James? So that's very important now, Zimbabwe's position itself. Remember the way in Russia-Africa summit, they went there to plead also on the issues of energy sector because Zimbabwe also struggles with electricity. Zimbabwe also struggles with the issues around the economic financial regulation. So when we look at the economic revival of the country that is booming, as they are saying, but you still have the question of African nationals of Zimbabwe who are in every part of the country. Others are in the diaspora. Others are in London. Others are in uptown in something. They need to reconsider. They need to think deeply about how they will want to rebuild Zimbabwe.
0: And, you know, staying then in that very country... Right, You speak, of course, about you know the plans or the manifesto that was brought out by Emerson Mnangagwa um, ahead of these elections. What do you think, Advocate Mandula, will, what would it take for Zimbabwe to see a development and fairness, fairness really, within that country?
2: You know, you know, it will take the people of Zimbabwe. And I'm not trying to reiterate uh, the former president of this country, when he said the problems in the question of Zimbabwe have to be seen within the context of Zimbabweans resolving their crisis. Despite that, you might have what I call political hegemony, militarization of politics in that country, but it is important for them as one of the countries with the high literacy level that has to translate into change, by the way. And the change that Braju, Masikela, used to speak about, that change is that you can't have leaders who want to rule until Jesus comes in most of the eras or liberation movements. who wants to rule until Jesus comes. You need to have a change that also impacts on the lives of people without even looking at their political affiliation or allegiance. It is important that Zimbabwe, is one of the countries that liberated the Sadek region, also it was part of the historical context that you need to look at the 21st century and say challenges are for the young people, challenges are for their. Intellectuals who are all over uh, their challenges on the economic growth. So, like I said, so I still go back. It is in the hands, It is in the mind. It is in the body uh, of knowledge within the people of Zimbabwe to rebuild Zimbabwe. Because success of Zimbabwe must not be uh, seen outside the uh, region, whether Namibia, Botswana, Zambia, South Africa. We, because we are in the in this side of block. So We need to have a, what I call regional solidarity. And sometimes you don't have to want to interfere on the electoral processes a lot because one will say it seems they've mastered it. There's a ritual around it. That ritual nobody will ever interrupt it. And it's mostly in African countries. So again, I'll show you this ritual that the African leaders collude. In some instance, you can stay in power, but they don't know the hour. It will still haunt them in the future.
0: Hmm, I love that. I mean, it's so important that they step aside as well, isn't it, Advocate, when the time comes?
2: Correctly, and, and, and it's like they don't want to allow that time and space, agency and emergency is what the, the regional politics are now defining us. Mm. that. You say we have challenges in this region, we have um, challenges of women in leadership. Imagine out of 12 candidates, of have only one woman uh, contesting. You know. I won't go in on parliamentary seats, but at least their electoral law, it pushes for both women, people living with, um, uh, um I mean people who are not able disability community that allowed the youth. So the electoral law is also flexible when you look at the allocation of seats in parliament, the local government. And like I said, so this is one of the elections that were very tough considering that Munangawa came out of the issue that he said if you remember when he was voting on Wednesday that he will be stupid if he can lose this elections. He knows that he will win this election. So mm. it it's showing I think Chamise was too premature to even say he has won this election. I think that was his political strategy. But I don't think the pastor and the lawyer was aware that, I mean, his party is selling new to so there's no way it can be like saying he was going to be part of the new government.
0: Mm. I mean, I'd love for us to stay on what's happening in Zimbabwe, but let's just then shift um, gears and go over to Niger, where the African Union has suspended Niger. What are the implica- the implications of the suspension, Advocate?
2: The implication, in some instance, that we don't have a voice in the AU decision making table. Um, and also is that the AU has done in Sudan before. Remember, it has done in Sudan before. It mm. has done with Mali, uh, in but I, I don't think it was a good move again. Let me be critical on it once more. I don't think AU, I think it's late. It's been, it doesn't follow the event. It's like they have been overtaken by events. I don't know. I, know. I know we are sitting in that panel, by the way, as South Africa, the chair, on peace and um, peace uh, the Security Council of the AU. I don't even know what informs to think that suspensions, sanctions, they bring a peaceful resolution to these military coups in, in Africa. And secondly, if they have to look at what ECOWAS has done, ECOWAS tried. It has put sanctions. It was trying to even uh, close the borders. Um, and, and you can see that it's either the AU loves to win the Twitter streets, to go on social media and say, we do condemn the coup. We will even do this. But I think they don't understand the nature of what's going on in the Sahel region at this moment, and it just erupted as early as, as, as chart as early as when Mali went on, guinea went on, Wagaduku went on. You know, so I, I think hey, you sometimes it's like it's led by people who say well, I don't know whether their signal, their data is it really connecting with the Sahel region.
0: And so you know, when we then also look at the importance of Niger's effective restoration advocate. Um, over constitutional order. It is important that they, at some point, come to, you know, a pause, isn't it? And actually also think about the people um, in Niger and how this coup is actually affecting them.
2: No, 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 correct. But remember that others said it was not a coup. It was just regime change. Others mm-hmm. they have, they have uh, redefined this coup now. They are, they are now saying, but this was not a coup. It was just to change the government because we saw that our president was moving towards France. So, you have the same communities who are also have anti French sentiments and they are pro this military coup, if you, uh, you can say it's a coup, but I say it's a military uh, uh, rearrangement, it's a military transitional transfer of power. And, 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 and second, the same script of Mali. Remember, the same military leaders, they went to ECO and said, Give us three years, actually, to can sort our things out. Mm-hmm. So, this shows you again that it appears that the new military leaders in the Sahel region are also seeing the impact of the former colonizers and the issue of the uh, exploitation of the natural resources in the Sahel region. I think we have not gone deeper to understand this current crisis in Niger and the Sahel region, why these coups have erupted once more. Is it also the impact of the foreign powers that have an interest in their natural uh, resources? Is it also militarization by foreign powers claiming to be doing capacity building training what is it that we have picked up in this military course And the lessons that the Sadek region might go through, the lessons that the East Africa community might go through, because it seems that also the military-civilian relationship is lacking also in the Sahel. It, it appears for me that it's the same like what we see in Sudan, where you have military junta who have been fighting since April until now. So in this, that we cannot get fatigued with the conflicts in Africa. We need to find a way and say, but the military belongs to the barracks. The military governance belongs to the barracks. They cannot find themselves in the uh, in the government uh, of offices claiming to be running. But again, the military deals with two things, how military coups have been forged. They've got authority, they've got power, they've got access to the arsenal. Mm-hmm. That's how they are so cohesive. And I've mm-hmm. said it before, too, well, they use three things just. Why, how, and when. Why are we taking over the government? It's for pure governance. When it's is the is the period when they take over the government and and i mean i mean the how part is how they are going to orchestrate it actually and the when is the period that we are finding ourselves in in the sahel region
0: mm. and advocate mantula you know when we look at niger's current state where it is now what do you make of where they are now and what will it take for it to be restored for peace to be restored to that to that country
2: one, one will assume that the, the military leaders are open for the talks with ECOWAS. Probably so the national dialogue will be key amongst the actors in, in Niger and the, and, the, and the region. And I think the restoration of opening their borders is very important that we should consider. Hence, we saw during the week uh, uh, Wabaduku was sending trucks of food. So I think the ECOWAS have to revisit their um, uh, sanction. They have to think, given the issue of military intervention, that Silencing of guns in Africa, what does it mean also? That, do we mean that military intervention will resolve this crisis? And, and then also I think the AU, as we have begun with the AU role, the, the, the role of the AU Peace Security Council must be understood to also deal with the national challenges of Niger. And I think Niger is trying to also move uh, out many embassies. As we are looking this week, there have been uh, uh, saying many embassies must shut down, like from Germany, USA, Nigeria, as well as France. So you are seeing a tension, what they call diplomatic row, and a diplomatic feud that is brewing now, in terms of now uh, uh, expelling these uh, uh, embassies, because they are also representing another narrative of trying to change the minds of the military leaders. So it means that the military leaders, they've appointed the cabinet, they've put a prime minister, so soon they've moved fast. The same like in Mali, the same like in Gini conakry so for, for us, it's that the region and the continent must start to refine the role of the military leaders in the continent. That's a future uh, topic when, say, for, for the African leaders and mm-hmm. ECOWAs to look at the role of military leaders and the civilian, how do we relate? And the media, in terms of reporting all these hot spots, I, I get worried sometimes that now African media doesn't capture the essence of what is the deep seated, what is the essence of all these military coups. They will sometimes you can become us and not understand that there are hidden hands in African coups, there are hidden voices in African conflict.
0: Let's take a call from Mpo and Renfantin. Hello, Mpo. Oh, Mpo? Stand there. No,
1: I, I just want to underscore the point made by the doctor that uh, to, under, to, to just suspend uh, every time membership of, of, of those who have gone militarily might not help the situation, so I agree with you. But I want to check with him if he could answer this question. If the masses of the people, like they did in Niger, support the military intervention, mm-hmm. wouldn't that be legitimate enough to, to allow transition? Because it's not like uh, the people are against the military, and, and I know that perhaps coup d'états are not a good thing, but but the legitimacy of the people who says, you know what, we feel the pain that the West is taking everything from us, uh, and and we can't afford to be poor, and these guys on the other side become rich, and the 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 democratic government support the West, we want to take over. I mean, this is how. The young people are born to to change situations, and and therefore, why would... So the question is, yeah. explain for me, wouldn't that be legitimate enough that the people... Because, uh, can check what once said, let's check where the weight of the people is. If the the weight of the people says, no, we are here, we we support this, let's go with the weight of the people.
0: All right, Mpoy and Ranfontein, thank you so much. Advocate Mantula? So,
2: the, I think Mpoy is, is very correct. We need to always restore the, the voices and the interests of the communities and the civilians. But we are struggling with Sudan. Let's, let's look at Sudan as the case in point. For us even to install a civilian leader is also to de- uh, militarize the power of the military in the state power. That's what is very critical. And the what point is saying, yes, the, the communities are in support of this military regime change, but also I think there is a fear also among the community to say, but are we capable? Hence, we'll have opposition claiming that, yes, let's change constitution now, let's go for the elections. But that's where it is also delayed because there is economic resources that are at, at play also, so yes. So I fully agree with important, but this issue of understanding the military coups in Africa must also not be waged by the military all the time. So it also relegates the role of the communities to say, but is it through the bullet or the ballot? Freedom must come. It, mm. it, 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 it is going back there to say, yes, we need to restore constitutional order, but we need to Africanize our constitutions and our governance so that we don't end up with this military coup. So we have almost two... 210 military coups in Africa since mm. 1960, mm. until now. But we, we have to decipher them to say, but what are the push and the pull factors? And where do we restore the role of the communities of practice and the, the ordinary citizens? they have uh, rejected this outcome, but also when you look at the...
0: Yes, yes, we're still here.
2: Okay, I heard myself talking something on opposition again. Oh.
0: <laughs> I'm sure you're going to be in the bulletin shortly. <laughs> Advocate Mantula?
2: I'm here, my sister. Yes,
0: no, you can finish your thought.
2: Yeah, so so I I think what Mpo is saying also, but that's correct also, I'm not the doctor. I'm, I'm yeah. the, maybe I am the uh, Bush doctor. I'm not the doctor of the Western <laughs> things. So I'm not the doctor. But that's it. kind it is important for us to know all this crisis in Niger to say, yes, we need to have restoration of constitutional order. Mm. But let it be done with dialogue with everybody. Hence, I say, of course, in the AU must converge that national dialogue.
0: Mm. Advocate Sipo Mantula, thank you so much for your time this morning.
2: Sana,
0: Advocate Mantula, of course, speaking to us about the situation in Niger. And as we are seeing it and as you'll hear it as well in the news, ZANU PF winning the elections in Zimbabwe.